Hello and welcome to Gilmore Ball Z, a podcast where I show my wife Dragon Ball Z, she shows me Gilmore Girls, and we try to find some kind of common ground. I'm Grant. I'm Paige. And this week we have a special guest returning to the show. Uh, welcome back, Rachel Gatlin. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's good to have you back. Yeah, sort of returning the favor because you were a guest on my show, which has not aired yet. Yeah, no, it might by I, the time this posts. I don't think it will. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> I can't remember how far in you were. Yeah, those of you who uh, who may have forgotten or not heard uh, when she was on our show previously, Rachel is one of the hosts of the TMNT Minutes, where yep. they watch Ninja Turtles movies one minute at a time and uh, discuss. So yep. they're, uh, I'm going to be on their second season where they'll be discussing TMNT 2, Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, I think you were our first guest, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely <laughs> early on in the movie. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting for me because, uh, as, as I mentioned on your show, I'm more familiar with the original. Oh, so, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was kind of an interesting experience for me. I, I wish I wish we'd gotten to know each other soon enough for me to commentate on the original because I love that movie. But yeah. you know, such as it is. <laughs> this week we watched uh, episode 59 of Dragon Ball Z Kai and season three, episode six of Gilmore Girls. So Rachel's once again on for our sixth episode of the season. How about that? How about that? Uh, so, Rachel, if I understand properly, you specifically wanted this episode again. Yeah, I hate baby showers. I don't trust anyone who likes them. Right. Like, it, it's an excuse for all the non-pregnant people to drink and eat cake, which, you know, is great. But the whole act of a baby shower kind of makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Same thing with bridal showers. Like, I, I just don't like to be in a room of that many women at one time. Yeah, no, and it's... It's weird because there are times that I'm in a room full of women for like a professional context. Uh, like, so I'm in software. So when we have women in computing, con- you know, conferences and things like that, it's great. I feel the love. It's all like girl power, rah, rah, we're fine. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in bridal and baby shower context, the point is to be as obnoxiously femme as possible. Ugh, yeah. And talk about like... We are all free about talking about our bodily functions, but uh, there's something about, like, a woman on her second mojito talking about placentas that just... uh, Yeah, if you add the word shower to a gathering, it suddenly becomes, like, this weird, like, domestic mother ritual. Yeah, so so you wanted to commentate in this episode because of how much you hate baby showers. And and Sherry as a character, but, you know, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, and uh, I, I know it just lined up this way, but do you have any particular feelings on this episode of Dragon Ball Z Kai? I'm sorry there wasn't any of uh, future hunks in this yeah, episode. Yeah, my, my, Trunks is my boy. Um, Trunks is all of our boy. <laughs> everyone's boy. Everyone's um, boy. No, but I think it's an interesting parallel that in Gilmore Girls, there's a baby shower, and then in DBZ, Bulma has a baby, and everyone's like, where'd this baby come from? There's too much motherhood and not enough motherhood, or, you yeah. know, like, cultural <laughs> support of a mother yeah. happening. And I'm also always a fan of any episode where Yamcha gets wrecked, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh... Yamcha y- gets yamcha yeah, he gets yamched. <laughs> and of course, because that's me, I also watched the corresponding DBZA episode, so. <laughs> uh, what, what, why are there so many people on this island? What, what do they do? What's their major export? <laughs> prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's prostitutes. Oh, that makes sense. Oh. See, in parallels, because, you know, Jess wasn't a gigolo. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Paige, why don't you let us know uh, what happened in this episode of Dragon Ball Z Kai? Why is there an island? Um, so this week, three years have passed since the last episode, and the androids are coming. So everybody meets up, and apparently no one has exchanged Christmas cards in the last three years. Right. Because they're all just shocked, like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. And then, oh, Bulma, you have a baby. Is it Yamcha's? No, I'm not saying who the father is. <laughs> you know, I know, but I'm not telling. And Goku, like, barrels up and is like, hey, Trunks, you look like Vegeta. And she's like, I'm not telling anyone who the father is. I wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> Which I feel like is just, like, Bulma's code word for I didn't want anyone to ever know it was Vegeta. I am mm-hmm. ashamed. I am ashamed. 
but they're all together and they decide to wait around until the androids arrive. They haven't shown up yet, even though it's 10 a.m. Yajirobe shows up with some senzu beans and to remind us that he still exists and then promptly flies away because he's a coward and doesn't want to fight, but also who would want Yajirobe to fight anyway? He just, he serves as good bait and he's too cowardly to be good bait. Uh, but he's shot down over the ocean and this is the sign that the androids have arrived. Gohan is sent to go pull Yajirobe out of the water and everybody else goes to canvas the city to find the androids on this tiny, very densely populated island. And why do they have to canvas the city? They don't have an organic power signature like the DBZ fighters do. And so they have to find them by themselves. And so the problem is that the androids can look like anyone. They don't know what they're looking for, so they just kind of have to wait till the androids start murdering people. Thankfully, Yamcha comes across the androids murdering some dudes and asks, what are you, what are you doing here? Who are you? Do you know if there are any androids here? <laughs> Even though the, like, they have, neither, just to give a visual picture, one of the androids looks like an old <laughs> Russian man in, like, a scary fairy tale. The one with the hat. Mm-hmm. And the other one looks like mm-hmm. a statue, like a weird, not quite Buddha statue. I call him Chiaotzu's fat cousin. Yeah, he looks like Chiaotzu's fat cousin. I, I want to look later into like what style of, yeah, like what style <laughs> of Asian sculptural tradition he's based off of because it reminds me mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely Chiaotzu's fat cousin. Neither of them look distinctly human and are wearing the logo of their army Mm -hmm. sorry rachel you were saying something he sort of well i i think that's a joke that comes up later in dbza about what that android looks like but he also kind of looks like a big grumpy baby yeah he does he does speaking of grumpy babies i love that baby trunks has a perpetually grumpy look on his face it's like he's so cute he's got that little devil head it's like yep he's vegeta's (laughs) (laughs) his nose (laughs) his nose not his perpetually angry eyebrows so what happens after Yamcha finds the androids? Uh, Yamcha gets punched by the androids all the way through. This show seems to like punching people all the way through, and that's okay, because I also like punching, <laughs> like watching people get punched all the way through. They also suck his power. Uh, they say something like, you know, this, is a, this isn't Goku. Like, they think he's Goku at first and then scan him and he's not Goku, which is a disappointment. Like... Yamcha is just should be labeled not Goku because he's a disappointment to everyone. We can tell why he cut his hair uh, just to look less like Goku so he doesn't have to hear, oh, every time he says his name. Um, but they punch him all the way through and they appropriate his energy. So now he just has a lower power level, I guess. They sense that a power level is going down. So everyone runs over and someone yells, don't tell me it's Yamcha. <laughs> yeah, it's Krillin. Krillin's like, someone's power level's dropping. I hope it's not Yamcha, but it's probably Yamcha. <laughs> yeah, it's totally Yamcha. And they all run in. And apparently Senzu beans can also heal getting punched through the center. And so they just throw him a Senzu bean and it seems like he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, in the Namek saga, Senzu bean fixed Gohan's broken neck. True. I don't know. I know it's a se- more serious injury underneath, but it seems like a senzu bean just right aligns the bone and sets everything back up. But like regrowing flesh, muscle, blood vessels, and internal organs in a yeah. fairly important area seems difficult. Magic. I don't got to explain shit. Goku says, oh, it's the androids. We should fight them. And the androids who have been saying things like, we can appropriate his power level. Let's scan him say oh we gave no indication that we're androids how did he know of course not you're not two completely weird looking people one of you is a big fat white baby like and the other is a giant russian with a metal hat right well and then on the other side like the humans are surprised or the humans and and saiyan are surprised that he knows their names when they're androids who have had literally all the information that they need to live and fight downloaded into their brains, you know, maybe they'll just also download the most powerful fighters in the world. 
And Maybe. Especially Goku, who's clashed with the Red Ribbon Army in the past. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so Goku wants to get the androids away from the people in the town to make sure no one gets hurt in the fight. So he says, hey, can we move outside of town? And one of the androids says, oh, you don't want this fight to be observed? Okay. And starts laser beaming the entire city, making it all explode and killing countless civilians. He wipes out like half the city. He wipes out like half the city. The android says, oh, I misunderstood your goal. You want to fight outside the city. Cool. And they go to fight. And Yamcha is still out on the edges with Krillin and Gohan. And Yamcha realizes he never told anyone that the androids are trying to appropriate power. They're trying to suck people's energy out of them. At which point, the next time on DBZ guy pops in to say, what is the android's crazy scheme? What is happening here? I think it's to murder people. I think it might mm. be to murder people. And it's like, no, they're, they're trying to suck people's people's energy. The audience has gotten on board here. I know most of the audience is supposed to be like 10-year-old boys, but I, I think we're all smart. So that's what happened this week on Dragon Ball. What happened this week on Gilmore Girls? Okay, so this week on Gilmore Girls, we had we had two basic plots. We had uh, we kind of had like a Gilmore Girls plot and a Dane's Boys plot uh, running running parallel. So the, the I'll I'll do the Luke and Jess thing first because it's shorter. Uh, basically, Jess sort of rolls up out of nowhere with a new car, and new to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a beater. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's an old clunker, but he shows up with a car. And, like, Lorelai's like, oh, this is nice. You know, he crashed my daughter's car, and now he's behind the wheel. Great. And Luke evidently had no idea this was happening. So he starts trying to ask Jess, like, hey, how'd you get a car? It's like, I work at the diner. And Luke tells him, like, I know how much I pay you. You cannot afford a car. I can barely afford a car. What, what, where did this go? And Jess is just, you know, being standoffish and not wanting to talk about it like he does. And... You know, it gets to the point where, like, Luke starts snooping around in Jess's stuff. He's asking Gypsy, like, hey, where did he get the money for this? And Gypsy's like, I don't care. He bought the car. Do you ask where people get the money for their burgers? And he's worried that Jess might be, like, doing crime or be a gigolo or (laughs) something. Which, like, I. And when he says, like, I get money from going to places and doing stuff. When they pay me for my services. They pay me for my services. Yeah, but I don't know. I just feel. I mean, I get it. Jess is is, is a handsome young man. Melvin Tamigli is a good looking dude. But just something about this seventeen year old being a gigolo. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure the fact that Luke would automatically jump to that is kind of weird. It's a little weird. I mean, the thing yeah. is, though, he said services. That doesn't sound like a drug dealer or a robber. Yeah, it's a service, not a good. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and he, so he was trying to think of like any service that Jess might be able to offer, and the list, as far as he could tell, wasn't very long. And he knows that, like from a couple episodes ago, that Jess is totally fine with physical relationships without emotional strings attached. So I can, it's disturbing, but I see how he got there. That's true, and yeah. I suppose really, you know, teenagers and prostitution is more common than we'd like to think. <laughs> Yeah, but that opens the door on a can of worms. Yeah, that opens that opens a whole yeah. other that opens a whole other can of worms. Um, anyway, so Jess realizes that all of this stuff has been displaced, and he's like pissed off at Luke because he realizes like, hey, have you been going through my stuff? And Luke finally confronts him like, look, you need to tell me where you're getting the money for this. I know you can't afford a car. Like, don't don't bullshit me. Uh, and it just finally admits like, I work at Walmart. Yeah, and Luke is just tickled pink about that. Yeah, I love the idea that, like, the most shameful thing to Jess is the fact that he works at Walmart. Um, but, uh... I forget being a gigolo. He works at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, you know, I did just, like, an afternoon course, learned how to drive the forklift. I've been, I've been working 12 hours a week. So I just really love the idea of, like, Jess, where are you going? Out. Yeah, but, but where? Like, where are you going? I said out. And he goes out and then just, like, puts on his little blue vest and, and goes to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the shady thing. Yes, I gotta sneak out of the house so I can go work at Walmart. <laughs> I mean, for someone who thinks he's as cool as Jess is, Walmart does seem kind of embarrassing. Oh, it totally tracks with his character, but it's still yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it tracks with not being as hardcore as he thinks he is, but also, right? like, 
being a teenager at the core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so Lucas just totally tickled at this. After just poking fun at him, he's like, whatever, I'm going out. And he leaves. Um, so, so that's basically, that. that's basically that. It's just that they built up this, this drama and then it totally deflates it just being, yeah, he works at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there was also a scene where, uh, where Rory and Lane are walking by and they happen across Jess's car and Lane flips out and Rory's like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, Lane is so extra. Lane yeah. in this. is so extra. Yes. Like the children say. She really is very extra. Um, yeah, so Lane Lane flips out and like Lane and Jess get into a screaming match in the road and Rory's like, Can you both please just stop? Um uh, so that was kind of funny and an excuse to get Lane into the episode because we need those. So anyway, the 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 main conflict of the episode is that Rory gets an invitation to Sherry's baby shower. And Sherry, the girlfriend of Rory's dad. Yeah, yeah. Sherry mm-hmm. who Christopher had to run out on Lorelai because he got her pregnant and like this pregnancy kind of upended their life plan for a little bit there. Uh, and yeah, so she's inviting Rory to the baby shower and Rory's like, okay, um, I have kind of been talking to, to my dad and I'm sorry about that. And Lorelai to her credit, is like, you don't need to apologize for wanting to talk to your father. I, it, it kind of bums me out. You felt like you needed to hide it from me, but, you know, I'm not going to tell you you can't talk to your dad. And if you want to go to this baby shower, you can. If you don't, I'll support you. Whatever. So Lorelai drives Rory to Boston to go to this baby shower, and Sherry, like, Sherry, like, serial killer sneaks up to the car. <laughs> I gotta say, Sherry's awful. Mm-hmm. She... She Oh yeah. Yeah, she just does it's 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 the perfect like backhanded smiling nice thing. Yeah. No, the actress is very good. Yeah, like there is like Rory later in the episode Rory tries to entertain the idea that Sherry doesn't realize how awful she's being, but I don't believe for a second that Sherry doesn't know exactly where she's sticking the knife. Yeah. She's that kind of I don't want to call her a bitch because that's that's too easy but she's that kind of person that knows how manipulative they are but they're also trying to be nice about it like i know i'm doing something shitty but i'm gonna coat it with vanilla frosting with sprinkles on top so you don't realize how shitty i'm being and also to give her not credit but an explanation it is obvious she is very insecure Uh and scared Mm -hmm. And her friends aren't very helpful. And so she is trying to manipulate and organize herself into not being afraid anymore. Yeah. yeah I mean, as as many of these things do, it all goes back to the patriarchy. But uh, it does not change the fact that she is a passive-aggressive bitch. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so she sneaks up on them and then will not let Lorelai off the hook. Lorelai makes mm-hmm. it clear repeatedly that she does not want to go to this baby shower and makes up like half a dozen polite excuses and she just won't take any of them. And so she pretty much forces Lorelai to coming to the baby shower for her baby daddy's girlfriend who also prevented her from happily getting back together with her baby daddy. So it's, it is exactly the miserable baby shower that, you expect it to be. As a man, I have never been to a baby shower, but this is what I imagine all baby showers to be like, and from what I've heard, it's not that far off the mark. Yep. True. Yep. Yeah, th- this seemed like a pretty by-the-numbers baby shower. Um, Everything is green, but not because of any, like, progressive, we don't want to, you know, box our child into gender roles thing. It's just because green is the new pink. Yeah, this was 2002. This was a little bit before um, the whole gender issue was really in the forefront. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, a good it was deal just before. Like, oh, yeah. So it was just like, mm, we're going to pick green because we can. Yeah, and honestly, like, I'm all for, like, I'm all for making it, like, green or yellow or whatever and just being, like, you know, not trying to box your kid into into gender roles. Not even necessarily because of, like, you don't know if your kid's going to be trans, although there is also that. But mostly just because, like, I, I, just because you're having a girl doesn't mean she has to be a ballerina. By the way, Sherry's determined that this child is going to be a ballerina. Yes. And her name is going to be Gigi. Georgina. Yeah. But uh, Gigi the ballerina, like, I already hate her. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> no offense to any ballerinas named Gigi who might be listening. Anytime you like have a predetermined plan for your child, like, oh, she's going to be a ballerina and she's going to go to Harvard. And her therapist and, is going to be named Gina. Yeah. Like, that's going to fall apart mm-hmm. really quick. Especially like while the child is still in utero. If it's like yeah. the kid is like two or three and really loves dancing, like, oh, she's going to be a little ballerina. Yeah. Okay, that's still not great. But at least the child has shown some interest. But yeah, like. Yeah, then you then you nurture that. You don't like decide to put her in a ballet class as soon as she can walk. Because either, either, hey, she's going to love it or she's going to realize Oh, my mother's been manipulating me my whole life. Or she's going to decide this is what I have to do to make my mom happy and otherwise she yeah. won't love me. Yeah, either way, you're going to end up with a complex. Right. So, so yeah, so this baby shower is awful. And Sherry, yeah, Sherry is like, oh, her name is Gigi. She's going to be a ballerina. I already have my cesarean scheduled, scheduled which is just like, mm. oh, my God. That is the most, like like rich upper class white person thing I've ever heard of scheduling your cesarean months in advance because she's only showing a little bit of a baby bump. Well, and another important point here is that none of her friends at the baby shower have had children. So there is no one else to be like, (laughs) that's cute. Except Lorelai, who is also the only one who doesn't seem to be of the same type of human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a friend of mine scheduled hers, but that was like, weeks in advance because she was kind of like a high risk pregnancy yeah. so she had to yeah yeah months. like obviously there are cases where you have to and you know i'm not not to discount cesareans as a very you know useful medical operation because they save lives but but i don't know i just feel like well designing when your baby will come out for no reason other than you have a presentation earlier in the day yeah 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 she's getting a cesarean for the most awful reason so Lorelai, Lorelai is like drinking mojitos and just trying to get through it. And Sherry's just like really putting on like the alpha female passive aggressive airs of like, mm. oh, we're right next to Harvard. Rory, you can come visit us whenever you want and you can sleep over and you can come visit on weekends when you're not visiting your mother, of course. And this hit its, hits its peak when Lorelai kind of breaks off from the party to just get a minute and Sherry follows her. And gives us this whole speech about how I'm I'm so glad for you because I don't know if you know this, but Christopher and I were going through a bit of a rough patch and I was honestly not sure if I was going to keep the baby or even tell him about it, you know, either not go through with the pregnancy or just raise it by myself because I thought he was on the way out. But then I decided I was going to tell him. And when he came back, he was a changed man. And whatever you told him while while he was visiting you, I think it was for a wedding or something. It it just it changed him, and I'm so glad that you were able to get through to him. And Lorelai's just like this is a situation like engineered to to stress Lorelai out because <laughs> it's a bunch of a bunch of rich women that she can't relate to at Christopher's like baby mama's baby shower with the little party poppers going off constantly Mm. while Sherry's telling her a very different viewpoint on like what was probably one of the worst weekends of her life. Mm -hmm. That was one of the best for Sherry. Yeah. (laughs) Sherry got everything she wanted. Yeah. So it's just, I felt so bad for Lorelai. This was like her personal hell. Um, So she goes to the bathroom to cry and uh, there's actually a great shot of her just, like, walking out of the room and Rory looking up from her cake and just immediately, like, sensing the situation. Mm-hmm. And so she gets up to follow. And so then Rory and Lorelai are just, like, in the bathroom and Lorelai's freaking out and rearranging Sherry's medicine cabinet. To blow Sherry's organized mind. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Sherry also organized Christopher's CD collection. And, like, just generally tidied the place up and whatever. So it's like she's put everything in a nice little box, just like her cesarean. Um... Just like her problems. Yeah. Yep. She needs a Costco-sized bucket of therapy. <laughs> um, I want to meet her parents. Um, and so, you know, Rory talks Lorelai down a little bit, and, and you know, it's good. So we we cut to um, we cut to them driving home, and they've got this big thing of deviled eggs that, like, Sherry peer pressured Lorelai into taking home a bunch of these deviled eggs, even though evidently neither of them actually like deviled eggs. Yeah. Um, and as they're driving home, like Lorelai's still venting and doing that thing that she tends to do where she vents all her problems to her teenage daughter, who is also very emotionally close to the situation. And it probably gives her an interesting view of her father. 
And as they're driving back into town, Rory's like, hey, there's Jess's car. Want to egg Jess's car? And Lorelai's like, what's the point of that? Like, hey, you don't like Jess. Let's egg Jess's car. We don't have any eggs. At Devil eggs. Oh, okay. So they devil egg Jess's car. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. That is another favorite touch point for the fandom it's pretty good yeah it's it's probably one of my favorite Lorelai and Rory moments where they both decide to do it what what a what a great moment and it's obvious that Rory has been hiding some pain about Jess's car because like when she's there with Lane and Lane and Jess are fighting it's just bringing up feelings for her but Mm -hmm. also like at the end she throws in like you forgot your bra on the back and so like he's been hardcore making out with Shane in the back of his car yeah so she's got some feelings they've they've never been doing more than making out so yeah, so Rory, yeah, obviously also has some feelings about Jess that she's suppressing. Um, yeah, so they, they devil egg <laughs> Jess's car. So the episode ends, uh, you know, we, we it kind of goes full circle. We had a little C-plot where there was a, the, the town loner, who we haven't heard of up to this point, wanted to stage a protest in the town square, and Taylor blocks it. Taylor is incensed. He's, yeah, he's, it's un-American, apparently. Like... Okay, okay, Taylor, you're about 15 years too early for that. Protesting is probably the most American thing you can do. Yeah, uh, so... Well, also, Taylor seems convinced that Rosa Park was protesting buses, so his American <laughs> history is not great. His American history is not great. Um, yes, yeah, so we don't even know what this guy's protesting, but Taylor blocks it. So the religious space, because apparently there's only one religious space in town, we'll get back to that. Uh, the rabbi and reverend who share a religious space both uh, agree to let him protest there. So the episode ends with the whole town gathering for this protest. We don't even know for what. Um, And this guy shows up with a great big rolled up sign and he goes up to the top of the bell tower in this religious building. And he rolls out this great big scroll, but he rolls it out backwards. Mm -hmm. So then he tries to turn it around and it rips and all just falls on the ground in a little clump. So he's just trying to shout his message from the bell tower, but nobody can understand him except something about Jello. So I'm assuming he's protesting pooping in the Jello. Mm. Um, yeah, this is great. His great protest. I'm for, I'm personally on board with this. I think we do need to stop pooping in the Jello. Maybe and, he's protesting you saying. That. Yeah, I was. Like, I think Paige. I yeah. think you'd be on board with me using the phrase "pooping in the Jello." Either way, he one of us is on board. Uh, listeners, tell us what you think. Um, and eventually, he just gives up and goes home. But uh, during during this protest, uh, Jess sees that his car has been devil-egged, and he just flips out, and he's oh, I gotta clean this, and Luke makes fun of him, and Rory and Lorelai make fun of him, and so just the Gilmore girls walking home after making fun of Jess, who, is, who they instigated the thing they're now making fun of. It's a little bit of cruelty from the Gilmore girls, and yeah. uh, we roll credits. So that's what happened this week on Gilmore, Balls, or on, on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Paige and Rachel... Uh, what did you think about this week's Dragon Ball Z Kai? It was weird, man. It was a little weird. Yeah. I mean, like, I liked how much plot forward movement we got. We got the androids. We got, you know, everyone coming to fight the androids. We got a lot of information about the androids. But I had so many questions because no one was acting like people, um, mm. including whoever built these androids. Like, nobody knew Bulma was pregnant or had a baby, so they just spent three years not talking to anyone else and just training. Yeah. Um. So that also implies that Gohan has had no contact with his mother for three years, which is disturbing. Um, no, that that kind of gets cut out. Like, I, I think they've been living at home, okay. Gohan and Goku. Okay, but cool. Then- Good. Yeah, no, the implication is at least that Goku and Gohan go home at the end of the day, and then they okay. go back to the mountains to train with Piccolo, and Piccolo just still lives outside. Like, sure. Throughout the whole show, Piccolo just doesn't have a house. But also, just even beyond the logical questions I have, I it just seems like everything is happening on rails because it needs to happen for the plot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Yamcha discovers they're stealing energy, Yajirobe brings the Senzu beans, but lets them know the androids are here, there. They try to fight and get things outside of town, but the android is evil. I, I don't even know what it is that makes it feel so rote, but it feels like there are plot points getting hit bam, 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 without much emotion or character happening. I mean, we have had the sequence of Yajirobe shows up to give out Senzu beans. Yes. 
Yamcha gets grievously wounded and or killed to demonstrate the dangerousness of the enemy. Like, we are a little bit repeating the same plot points to get the story Mm -hmm. moving. And then, like, you know, Goku insists we move to a new location. Well, and it's also that terrifying things are happening. Half of the city is getting killed. Yeah, there are scenes of carnage and destruction happening. And it's just kind of a means to an end. Like, we have this scene of carnage so the Z fighters can get in and start punching people. And that's weird. It's really weird that there is this much destruction and pain. And as we saw in last episodes, you know, according to Goku's philosophy, this just kind of exists so Goku can fight. And it's weird. And I don't Mm. like it. I mean, I don't expect a lot of heart and, you know, thoughtful discourse out of Dragon Ball Z, but I think the fighting would feel more important if we gave some importance to the fact that this area is getting destroyed. And I think we can look at, you know, a similar example in Western culture, uh, if we look at the battle for New York in the first Avengers movie. And one of the complaints about Marvel movies in general is that there's a lot more death and destruction than DC movies, but the DC movies are colored darker and they feel darker. So people complain about the violence and nobody doing anything, but let's look at the Avengers and it's just as bad. But I think the Avengers does a really good job of focusing on the emotions of the characters who are in the forefront. And that lets it have a lot more emotional weight while in... Well, and like Cap is trying to save people Cap during the Battle of New York. Cap is trying to save York. people. Like Tony is trying to sacrifice himself to save the world so there won't be farther damage. The government isn't doing what they should and Nick Fury is getting frustrated. Like there is emotional weight given to it, even if there isn't weight given to the level of widespread destruction and there's none of that here it's just like oh we gotta fight the androids this is bad so i I don't know i i didn't i didn't feel with it i didn't vibe okay what about you rachel yeah i kind of feel the same way this was just a weird episode and it was just awkward like everyone's commenting on how tall gohan is but he hasn't grown at all his hair got longer um uh, his hair got longer. I, yeah, I think he had. If, yeah, if, like, you, if you if you saw him in the previous episode, you could kind of be able to better see the comparison. He has grown a little bit taller. Okay, Gohan never really seems to grow much. Like he's a child and then suddenly an adult, and that's kind of what I think of him. But yeah, everyone's commenting about that. How no one knew that Bulma was pregnant is ridiculous. I mean, if you were pregnant with Vegeta's child, wouldn't you want to hide it from the world? Yes, you say that, I... but this is assuming that Bulma kept quiet about anything she could complain about. Like, right, right. I feel like what happened here was that she kept calling Goku, being like, my ankles are swollen and I just vomited. And then Goku's like, that sounds unfortunate, and didn't put together any of the signs <laughs> because he wasn't attentive during Chi-Chi's pregnancy either. But like, what's odd is, okay, all these people see each other when there's a crisis. They don't hang out when there isn't a crisis. Well, I mean, yeah, when when the very, very beginning of DBZ is them all hanging out for a reunion at Kame House and they haven't seen each other in a long enough time that they didn't know Goku had a kid. So it does seem pretty common for them to just like not hang out for extended periods of time. But since then, they've gone through several traumatic experiences together. I mean, they went through several traumatic experiences together in the original Dragon Ball. And then they also lived together for a year while they were waiting for the Namekian Dragon Balls to reform. Yeah, I don't know. And when Goku was dead. I I like to think that actually it was Bulma called Chi-Chi. And, and they would dish about this whole situation, and then Chi-Chi would tell Goku about it over dinner, and he just wasn't listening. Yeah. Yeah, he was too busy eating. <laughs> yeah, you can't... Don't talk to Goku when he's eating. He can't hear anything over the slurping sounds. <laughs> um, I will I will stand up a little bit for this episode. Okay. Um, specifically for the, the moment when the androids caused the carnage and destruction. I think that was actually a really interesting moment, because, like I said before, we are kind of having the same rote Dragon Ball Z enemy setup, right? Hey, we got some senzu beans. Yamcha's useless. You know, everyone stands around commenting on how powerful things are. And then we get to the point that always happens of Goku saying, hey, let's take this somewhere else to limit the destruction. And the androids, like, Android Android 20 knows knows what Goku's getting at. He, he, he It's not like he misunderstands what Goku's saying. He's being a dick. And he's saying, oh, he's being a sherry. he has like, oh, you don't want there to be civilians around? Okay, pew, 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 pew. 
like he is he's being cruel and i think that that highlights a big difference here versus the other enemies that goku's fought so far is these people have no honor whatsoever Mm -hmm. like frieza was manipulative and you could argue frieza didn't have a whole lot of honor but when goku still said hey let's take it elsewhere frieza said sure yeah like he still had some honor the androids have none they're like oh civilians getting killed is gonna you know get gonna gonna needle you okay i'm gonna murder a bunch of fucking civilians yeah yeah so i just wanted to stick up for that moment i think it was executed kind of weird but i get what they were going for yeah Hmm. what what do you think of gilmore girls this week guys um i i liked this episode of gilmore girls because i hated it so much (laughs) like it's like it's like watching a car crash or a couple fighting in public you kind of can't look away exactly like i really 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 hate sherry Mm -hmm. and like i didn't like her in her first appearance but i just this really stepped it up Mm -hmm. she's horrible and i love watching her yep Like, I hated her, and I was uncomfortable, and I wanted the situation to end, but that was obviously the point, Uh and it was done so in a way that was still entertaining. So actually, I really liked this episode. Um, I think that Lorelai was a realistic kind of awful, Uh with the way that she handled Rory talking to Christopher and her dealing with her emotions and the situation and everything, like... I think that it's not fair for her to put Rory into the position of being her armchair therapist when it involves her father. But she's an animal stuck in a cage. Yeah, like, I, I, I believe that Lorelai would do that based on the picture of her that we've had over these last three seasons. Um, I I just, I really loved how awful Sherry was. It, it all gelled perfectly. Well, and I want to offer a slightly different take on Sherry being horrible. Like, I, I want to have the the Schrodinger's cat of why, sh- you know, Sherry's horrible, because I believe either take. Because there is the passive-aggressive, she-knows-exactly-what-she's-doing take. But mm. there's also the complete lack of empathy take. Um, so she might just be a sociopath? Not even a sociopath, but, but there's someone that's a mutual acquaintance of yours and mine who grew up in a kind of privileged way. And when she has problems, even if they're very small problems, she doesn't necessarily think about who she's telling them to, why she's telling them, how this affects other people. And it's just because she has a lot of hurt and she's never needed to ask those questions. And she, like, I could see Sherry being that kind of person where she sees Lorelai as someone who cares about Christopher, who's raised a great kid who has been through the motherhood thing before, and Sherry is obviously very, very lonely. Her friends are useless. Her friends, you know, get drunk at this party and get into a fight. Her friends aren't supportive, you know, and they kind of deify her as super organized, but they don't support her in any way. Christopher has been great while she's been pregnant, but when she went into this pregnancy, she thought she would be alone and he was going to leave her. And she obviously has something deep within her that makes her alphabetize everything and plan everything and schedule everything because any degree of chaos makes her feel deeply unsafe. And so she might not have enough space in her brain to think that this might hurt Lorelai. And neither of those, like being passive aggressive and manipulative or just clueless is really excusable, but they are very different people. Uh, Yeah, so so I really, I liked the Lorelai plot. I thought it worked out really, really well. And I don't, I just, I, I really love the tra the, just the tragic, the tragedy, the tragedy of, of Lorelai and Christopher is so compelling to me. And I'm not hundred percent sure why. Yeah. It just, I just, I, I can't get enough of those, of those tragic little kids. Um, the, the, the Luke and Jess plot was there. It yeah. was, it was fine. Um, I thought that it's, it's a nice step for Jess because when he was first introduced, he absolutely would be like nick and wallets or something like that and it's another step for his character like no he got an honest he got a second job yeah yeah to pay for a car like he's becoming an honest teen which is good and you get like this isn't something that they raise and then just drop like half of lane's plots this is something that they do explore a little further and it it has some interesting aspects to it if i remember correctly. Oh, him working at walmart his him working at walmart yeah. dope Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I, I know what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I really like. I didn't mention it in my summary, but I liked the little C plot, if only for the beginning of the town meeting, 
where uh, the whole thing gets ground <laughs> to a halt because of Miss Patty's hot date. Yeah. Yeah. It was just this guy walks in with flowers in the middle of the meeting, and then everyone is derailed like, Patty, who's the hot date? Where did you meet him? <laughs> Babette then hands Patty a camera and says, I want a full documentation. Like, how much documentation? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, no, she hands her a, it's digital. But, like, I also like the implication that Patty's supposed to be, like, there's no photographer on this date. It's supposed to be Patty sitting across at dinner from this guy just snapping pictures the entire time. Yeah. Which is better than Babette's first option, I would guess, which was probably sneaking onto the date because mm-hmm. Dementia Town has no boundaries. Right. Uh, um, yeah, so th- so that was that was what I thought of the episode. Uh, Rachel, do you have any other thoughts on this episode? I, I wrote a couple notes down. I wrote, what is Kirk? <laughs> yeah, his mom won't let him drive, apparently. He he think, he makes up this diatribe about, like, the car parts, and Luke is like, you're completely full of shit. Um, Dementia Town loves pumpkins. He wants his, uh, he also wants his patty melt cut into part squares, part stars. That, that too, yeah. But there there are pumpkins in every scene. That's so that you know it's place. fall. Yeah, but it's like hundreds, if not thousands, of pumpkins. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, we're running a little long, but I do have one question about Gilmore Girls. Okay. Um, okay. so Stars Hollow is supposed to be about like ten thousand people. How is there only one religious building? Like, how is there only yeah. one shared space that the Jewish and the Christian, you know, religious organizations have to share a space? I mean, the real answer is and has always been that Amy Sherman Palladino doesn't understand what 10,000 people looks like. Yeah. Stars Hollow operates like a town of a thousand or maybe even 700, 500 people. Mm -hmm. And even a town of a thousand would probably have more than like it is. Well, yeah. Like how big is your average congregation? I think there is probably more than one religious space. Since there is also a space that's used by the Seventh Day Adventists who also worship on Saturdays. That's true. Yeah, um, cur- there's 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 enough yeah, there's enough of a population that Stars Hollow can sustain specifically a Korean Seventh Day Adventist church. I mean, it could be that the yeah. Seventh Day Adventist population is mostly Korean. That's true. But um, I would guess they probably have a couple of Protestant churches, um, just because small towns do tend to have a high people to church population. Um, or, or maybe there's, maybe it's just there's not enough Jewish people. But to... that there's not enough Jewish people to sustain a specific synagogue, and since they alternate weeks, they can share a space. Alternate days, yeah. Or alternate yeah. days, yeah. I mean that that makes sense. I I well, there's a small town where my parents live, and the population is under eight thousand people, and I can think of at least three churches on the main drag, but there's no synagogue. Yeah. I will say I really want more of this reverend and rabbi. Yeah. No. Them, them hassling Taylor was hilarious. One complaint is that you don't get enough of the reverend and the re- rabbi in the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have a couple. Yeah, yeah, give, yeah. What are your DBZ questions? Yeah, so Bulma comes to see the androids. And she's just like, I'm here to see the androids and then I'm going to leave. And <laughs> that could be rubbernecking. That could be her as a scientist wanting to know. Uh but the thing that's weird to me is that she brings she brings Trunks, who looks to be a pretty sizable baby. He's probably, you know, nearing toddler status with the size he's getting to. And has she never heard of a breast pump? Has Toriyama never heard of a breast pump where she could leave this baby at home? So I have I have a, a, a no prize there, right? So you pointed out, yeah, she wants to see what all the commotion is because that's how Bulma is. She wants to see the androids because she's a scientist and she wants to see these androids. But also, you know, you're assuming Toriyama knows how big babies are and that he's doing an anatomically realistic art style. We don't really know how new Trunks is. And we don't know when she's last seen Vegeta. Yeah. It's entirely possible that, like, Vegeta might not even know that she was pregnant. Or maybe he ran out right when he found out she was pregnant. We don't know when she's last seen Vegeta. So... She might want to see Vegeta to make sure mm. he's okay because she doesn't and know. And to show what... him her baby. Yeah, Got it. it's twofold. It could be I'm worried about Vegeta because she is harboring feelings for him and she wants to see him and make sure he's okay and make sure the androids don't kill him. And two, it might also be like the, this is your child. You did this to me. Look at him. <laughs> you know? Well, DB, DBZA addresses that. Um, apparently she hasn't seen Vegeta in a year and a half. 
So okay, there's this whole like cutaway where Bulma's yelling at Vegeta, and he's like, "You're being bitchier than usual, and not in a hot way." And she's like, "Well, you got me pregnant," and he's like, "I don't see how that's my fault." Because <laughs> we'll learn we learn in DBZA that Vegeta doesn't know what condoms are. Yeah, well, you, you, well, you you could have worn a condom. The fuck's a condom? The fuck's a condom? I was wearing armor. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what it was. It was you said you were wearing protection. Said yeah, I was wearing my armor. Like I'm in a condom, you yeah. idiot. The fuck's a condom? <laughs> Yeah, the fuck's a condom. So he knew that she was pregnant, but he left anyway. Yeah, I, at least at least in, in TFS canon, it's unclear if the official canon has an official answer. But either yeah. way, I, th- I think she's really there for Vegeta. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and, and I remembered something about the Toonami. They say that Bulma and Vegeta are married. <laughs> which I think is the only instance of them saying that they're married. I think maybe in future canon they are. I don't remember. They do but... they do eventually get married, but I'm I'm pretty okay. sure that was them that was that was probably Cartoon Network saying we can't have an unmarried mother on our show. Because right. right. actually I noted it was it's actually pretty progressive when you think about it. She's in she's an unwed mother with a kid like the kid was born out of wedlock, single mom, and everyone's treating it like it's totally normal. Like Gohan yeah. asks, like, "Oh, did you and Yamcha get married?" And Yamcha's like, "No," and <laughs> Yamcha's still butt her. Yeah, Yamcha still butt her because oh, yeah. he knows it's Vegeta's kid, and uh, she's just like, "Nope, I'm raising it on my own, and it's not a big deal." And that's actually pretty progressive for the time that this was written. Another Gilmore Girls parallel. And another Gilmore Girls parallel. So when they knock off one of the androids' big metal Russian hat, there's an exposed brain underneath that's just like chilling in a vat on his head under a like a glass pane, mm-hmm. and the hat is obviously protection. Mm-hmm. When this man was building a robot, why did he leave the brain so exposed? Do you think you just like put a titanium shell over that thing instead of making a fake Russian hat to put on it? Because it looks cool. Yeah. That's so dumb. That's like a huge, like, that's like pointing at him and saying, like, kill me now. That's like every Zelda villain, like, here, let me expose my vulnerable part. Yeah, but the thing is. So you know what to shoot. I'm thinking about it as a matter of thinking about design, because one of the complaints about how we build robots in fiction is that so often we don't think about the design that was built for them. Like, when made bots in robot, in fiction are just busty ladies and it's like you know when we built that in real life we made a Roomba that looks nothing like mm-hmm. a human why does this look like a human and in this case they obviously look like humans because you know I mean, they're they androids part human. they're part human but this means that Dr. Giro was thinking about how to build these for three years and never thought that pointing a big neon sign to his head might be a problem yeah really cool Really cool. Yeah. Okay. So do we want to swap anybody this week? Or who do we want to swap this week? I was going to say send Bulma to the baby shower. Oh, absolutely. So she and Sherry can have a bitch off. <laughs> yeah, I want I want Bulma at the baby shower as Lorelai's backup. Yeah. See, I want to just straight up swap them where Bulma is like yelling at everybody for not giving her enough, you know, like praise for having this baby and then <laughs> look i have a baby too sherry is like on earth when the androids land trying to alphabetize all the rubble and like breaking down and requiring attention because she's breaking down and needs support while everyone's just trying to save the world <laughs> and she's just like and it, it's, it gets to the point where piccolo just shoves her in front of the androids so they can you know absorb her whininess and maybe they can succeed Mm. (laughs) oh yeah um i want i want to swap jess and yamcha okay okay uh because i mean like on the dbz side doesn't really matter you know jess would get hurt he'd get a sense of being he'd be fine it might be a little traumatic but whatever but i think probably be good for him it'd probably be good for him i think that really what yamcha needs right now is just uh, the lowest stakes situation possible which is a part-time job at Walmart. Mm-hmm. I really just want Yamcha to drive the forklift, 
move the stuff. He wouldn't even need a, he wouldn't even need a forklift. He's pretty like in comparison to our heroes, he's weak, but he's pretty strong. He could probably just lift the stuff without a forklift. Yeah. So he'd probably be employee of the month. OSHA might have some questions, but whatever. He and he he'd stock the shelves and just enjoy having a part-time job where he's helping people and not in danger. And I think that's what Yamcha needs. He's probably had a mm-hmm. rough year or so. You know, he thought he was maybe going to be able to patch stuff up with Bulma, and then it turned out she ran off with, you know, short, dark, and angry. <laughs> and, and you know, I just, I just, I, I like how many of my swaps are just get somebody to a place where they can be okay. It's very yeah. wholesome. It is. So, uh, with that, I believe that is this week's Gilmore Ball Z. Uh, Rachel, why don't you tell people, if they've loved your commentary, where they can find more of it on TMNT Minute? If you weren't familiar, I do a podcast called TMNT Minute, where we break down the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie one minute at a time. It is one of many movies by minute podcasts. So if you like a movie, there's a good chance that a couple of nerds are going to talk about it. I really want to do Lilo and Stitch Minute. Um, I think the Disney Minute guys are handling that, but I'm sure they'd let you be a guest. Oh, I should reach out to them. I also want to do Pacific yeah. Rim Minute. Ooh, he just really wants to do one. the Pacific. Yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> if if there's a movie you like, Google it. There's a chance there's a podcast. Um, as of this recording, we are done with season one, but we're recording season two, which is on track to launch, I think, in January. So you can find us um, on Twitter, Instagram, at TMNT Minute. You can also go to DuelingGenre.com and find us there. And we have a Facebook group called the TMNT Minute Listener Group or something like that. I'll, I'll find the actual name because we'll, it's We'll a put mouthful. a link in the show notes. Right. <laughs> um, I'm also a cast member on Geek by Night, which is an um, audio drama produced by Scott Corelli, who's also done a million podcasts on um, DuelingGenre.com. So we're all one big happy family over there at Dueling Genre. Absolutely. That's awesome. And you'll also be able to hear Grant because he's our first guest. Yep, I will be. I'll be on is. the second week of the second season of TMNT Minute, where uh, we discuss. Right. We're going to discuss Casey Jones, uh, a Casey Jones solo series, and a couple other things. <laughs> and uh, I also, I also uh, convince convince Rachel's boyfriend to troll her even more when they're out at restaurants. Oh God, don't don't encourage him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you all know where to find us on Facebook at Gilmore Ball Z. Our Twitter is at Gilmore Ball Z. Our email is GilmoreBallZ at gmail.com. Our WordPress is GilmoreBallZ.wordpress.com. We also have a subreddit, which is our Gilmore Ball Z, and a Tumblr, which is GilmoreBallZ.tumblr.com. If you go to our WordPress or check out the show notes, you'll also find a link to the Gohan and Rory Book Club Fund, where we're raising money for Room to Read. The episode where Paige drinks her first cup of coffee, I believe it should it be... It should be dropped Yeah, it should be in your feeds. And we'll also be producing episodes on Bardock, Father of Goku, and the first Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movies. Anyway, uh, if you could... Please, if you enjoy the show, drop us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, tell your friends. We really appreciate it. So thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. So will the androids steal Goku's energy? Will Jess win Employee of the Month at Walmart? And what was Trunks' baby shower like? Find out next time on Gilmore Ball Z. (laughs) 